You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Demery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. This episode, we'll be talking about Miles Davis, Bitches Brew. In the room, I have Rob, mm. I have Ben, yeah. and I have Adam. Mm-hmm. Bitches Brew is the studio double album by American jazz musician Miles Davis, released on March 30th, 1970 on Columbia Records. The producer was Teo Marceo, and the genre is jazz fusion, experimental jazz, avant-funk, avant-garde, jazz rock, psychedelic, you know. And from the book, John Lewis. Recording sessions for Bitches Brew began at 8 a.m. on August 18, 1969, a few hours after Jimi Hendrix had demolished the Star Spangled Banner mm. at Woodstock, and it is Hendrix's incendiary voice that haunts this double album. Miles wanted to recreate the loose, limber jam sessions of Electric Ladyland, but like most interesting homages, uh, uh, Bitches Brew sounds nothing like its source, nor does it resemble the jazz rock that it pioneered. The backbeats are relatively unorthodox. Whip crack rim shots, rumbling kick drums, and rubbery bass lines borrow from Sly and the Family Stone. Everything else is from another planet. The sheer density of the music is often symphonic. At some points, there are three keyboards, all playing clashing, dissonant chord clusters. There are two basses set against the serpentine baritone uh, voicings of the bass clarinet. Up to three drummers and another three percussionists lay down hypnotic grooves that would hook in Grateful Dead fans. Soaring over top is the quiet storm of Miles' Harmon-muted horn, Wayne Shortner's granite-hard soprano sax, and the finely controlled chaos of John McLaughlin's guitar, all improvised freely, borrowing from modal jazz, free improv, and Indo-Arabic themes. Bitches Brew sold half a million copies within a year and made Miles relevant in a way that he had not been in more than a decade. He had reclaimed his crown as the king of jazz, something he retained until his death 20 years later. All right, what do we think of Bitches Brew? I think that it would take me longer to form a real opinion about an album this long and this dense. I listened to it twice this week, and I've got opinions, but I have a feeling that those opinions could change if I listened to it twice a week for the rest of the month. Do you want to listen to it more? I I think is the question. I would listen to it more. That's in, a start. I would listen to it more. Yeah, I, I think it's got some... It takes more to digest than, than I was able to give it time for. I, I think the best way to approach this kind of music, and I think you bring... I'm glad you opened that way instead of having a knee-jerk because 
this kind of music is so it's supposed to be challenging and weird mm -hmm. and i think there's two ways to to listen to this kind of music you can try to focus on it and figure out what they're doing that's really challenging or interesting but that's really overwhelming when you're not familiar with it or you can background it and you can have it on and you can just have it playing in some situations and kind of listen to it a lot that way mm -hmm. i've done this with a lot of jazz records where it's like just have it on and then eventually you start to it makes more sense to you it's like in the subconscious yeah, yeah, yeah exactly and i mean if you think about like a 20 minute song that you know may even have things that sort of stays the same ish like it's supposed to be a hypnotic quality you know and so you kind of have to let yourself in on that by like half focusing on it and then maybe do the detail work later yeah um like this record you know there's stuff i that I don't love sections of, but then there's stuff I think is really cool. Totally. Um, I mean, it's Miles Davis. Like, he's going to give you something. <laughs> like, he's got a lot of time to give you something. Yeah. It's it's very long. I mean, it's it's challenging in its length, for sure. Yeah. I would say abstract, dense, but actually pretty successful in it, what it's accomplishing. I think part of that is because of the producer, how it was recorded, how Miles was handled, being able to go to the studio when it, he wanted to do what he wanted to do with it, having all the instruments, layering things, uh, and then splicing up all those sessions into this sort of kind of crazy album concept. Just Oh, it's crazy. There's, yeah. <laughs> there's things about the recording process and the production process and the post-production process and maybe even the pre-recording process there's parts of all of that, because I read up on it, that really intrigues me. Just kind of like see what these guys were going for. And I, I, I just, I, like I said, I want to devote the time to to really just try to digest it. I like that, you know, like so so he was inspired by like the Jimi Hendrix type of stuff. That's interesting. And these... Yeah, that was from his wife or girlfriend at the time, Betty... Uh... Maldry, who became Betty Davis. Oh, not, not that Betty not Davis. Not that Betty Davis. <laughs> but she was like interested in this, like the avant garde scene, or Coleman and Jimmy, and like, and kind of got Miles. You see that, that shift in his like fashion. Do you consider Jimi Hendrix avant garde? No, no. I'm just saying younger crowd. Okay. Like yeah. she, she, I think she was an inspiration to get him to the clubs. Uh, she, you remember, you know, seeing Miles with his like kind of different outfits oh, and yeah. things. Yeah, she dressed she that fashion, way. Yeah. She was, uh, you know, very much with the like in crowd, the the hip scene, and I think she helped Miles in a way to sort of like reconnect with what was going on at the, at the time. Yeah, their their relationship wasn't you know wasn't that long, but I think that that was definitely an influence. She also has an album, so check that out. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, like, there's a lot. The, the the ensemble on this album is a a large group of people. Like, you, you start reading down the list of just the instrumentation. Yeah. He called a lot of those guys on very short notice, and they showed up. Young guys, too. Young guys. And they, they showed up, and he did, you know, that jazz thing where you just give them a few chords and a tempo and maybe a hint of melody, and they went... But since he did it with, you know, such a large rhythm section, like uh, he's got a guy on electric bass, he's got a guy on double bass, 
two or three drummers, two or three electric piano pianists, including Chick Corea, who was on every track, and at least one percussionist, and then soloists on top of that. The soloists, they've got this wide but active expanse to play around in because he's got like a 10-person rhythm section going. I think my favorite part of the record might actually be the percussion and drumming because there's some really cool grooves. Like uh, my favorite track was probably a Spanish key. Mine too, dude. And, nice. Yeah. Uh, the groove is great. And yeah, it's got a great, absolutely. It's got a great vibe, and I don't mind that it's like 17 minutes long. No, I wrote and, down it's a P-cool groove. Yep. And then at around 3.15, around 9.45, and around 13.55, there's this cool pivot that they do like the electric piano will play just like i can't think of it right now because we're listening to a different song but this little like three chord riff at the end of a measure and then they start like part b of the song and it's that little like transition they do it three times every time it happens i'm like oh that's cool yeah i i think there's some really cool stuff on here um you know there's times when it's like shrill or it's you know just very repetitive or Maybe like two, like I think you've explored the uh, mode. Uh, let's move on to the next thing. Or, yeah. uh, but like that's what yeah, you get. Is, when I you was do gonna this. say this is kind of the definition of exploring that's the a, room. Like there's not, dude, literally I, exploring yeah. the room and using the studio as an instrument. <laughs> no, which there you go. I know Rob loves uh, <laughs> the post production work on this. Uh, with Miles Davis working with the producer uh, Ted Macero, it's one of the, not the first, because it would probably go to the Beatles, but uh, with uh, just experimenting with tape and tape loops and and edits and stuff, they, they took these sessions, and these are relatively heavily edited songs. Like, there's, there's 19 edits in Pharaoh's Dance, there's 14 edits in Bitches Brew. And sometimes they would edit so much that like they, they would put in tape loops of like maybe a one second long phrase or a five second long phrase and just to give it some texture. And they would change around the, the whole structure of a song of these like extended jams or whatever. The band would then learn the album version of it so they could then play it live like to, to tour it. Like the post-production tape cutting work with they were creating whole new song structures out of out of these sessions don't know how I feel about that sort of looseness that they present. I don't know if I, I'm fully on board for it. I do understand that Miles was very controlling when he wanted them to play certain things, but at the same time, I don't know that he had the whole picture planned out for all these songs. He probably had a general idea of certain songs and certain parts, but I don't, I don't know how I feel about, you know, 
saying, go explore the room, we'll cut it up, and we'll we'll make this, you know, make these later. Well, it's an interesting take, though. So yeah, you, you get a sure. band, and you're like, we're going to play in this mode or whatever for 30 minutes, and that will be our palette. You know, and then you can go in and, like, from that, yeah, use the bulk of it, but just kind of, like, chisel a little bit of, of a structure out of it. It, like... It, I'm sure it does. It's not always successful. I'm sure it wouldn't work for anyone or for everyone. But I think it's an interesting approach to making a, a jazz record. Sure. You know. I mean, this is yeah. This is literally, I think, the jumping off point where the crest of the wave in, into the avant-garde, experimental, free jazz, everything. Yeah. This was at least like a controlled noise that he produced. And then I think once it got there, it's like no no rules, free to you know do what whatever. For the stuff shirts yeah. did not enjoy this record. No, <laughs> the uh, the the uh, jazz purists were not on board with no. what was happening here at all. Even um, uh, Sony Fortune, who played on this, he said he like he's said before he was like I got in there and what Miles was doing, I you know mm-hmm. I I gave my I gave it my all, but what he was doing, not for me, you know. I just want to say one last thing about the the editing process. Yeah. So uh, the producer Teo Macero, he he's classically trained, and but what his big inspiration was, what he had been into for the past two decades, was the the, the what music uh, music con- concrete concrete. He was way into that, and that was kind of the approach that he was going when he when he started taking his editing knife to the stuff. I thought that was cool. That was the last thing I wanted to say about it. Yeah, I, it's a great approach. It's, I mean, it's notorious for being just out there, just expanding the the sort of spectrum of what jazz can be or what Miles could do at that time. I mean, we're talking about someone going from acoustic instruments within jazz and at the zenith of rock and roll, this is sort of like Sam Cooke changing from gospel to pop or pop or soul. It's like Dylan going electric. This is like yeah. miles now breaking the, the barrier of like now avant jazz sure. is, is the thing. And I'm going to not only going to put a double bass. I'm also going to put electric bass and three drum sets and a Hammond and everything. Throw it all in there. What do you think, Rob? Uh, <laughs> and, like I notably silent. No, there, there's. I, I, I wanted everyone else to get their, 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 their talking points in before I brought up anything. Yeah, I, I don't really have much to give in any in, in this regards. I really enjoyed in a silent way, and I think that had to do that he was stuck with side A, side B, and the the guy who was producing it cut it down to make sense. And this is ninety four minutes, and. There were someone was there cutting it down, but can you even fucking imagine what they had to cut to yeah. make this ninety four minutes? Ninety four minutes is That's as long insanity, as it gets. Sanity, man. I doubt they were cutting it for time. They were cutting it to be weird, and you know? and that that's cool and all, but I am not made for modal work, modal experimental work, where. Three minutes out of every 20 minutes, I'm like, oh, well, that's cool. Like, I need structure to where that three minutes is just cool by itself and I don't have to fucking work for it. Like, this feels like an exercise in, like, but do you get it? 
Do you get it? And Dude, I'm right there with yeah, you. Yeah, I get it, but that thing that you did a year ago, I got and I loved. Yeah. And this, but I That's can't... probably why this exists, is that it's, you know, it's like now he's saying, and then now I'll do this. If you think of it from a creative standpoint, it's like, you know, if he had just done something, now he's saying, okay, what else can I do? Like, I, the, I think the idea is to, ex, like we're saying, explore. And I, I just don't think, ah, jazz is so challenging to talk about. And so it's like, so how do you talk about something that's like actively trying to be difficult? Actively trying to make your brain say, I don't know, man. That Like the goal is is mental confusion. And so you have to say, did they meet their goal? You know, they're not writing singles over here. You know? so, I, I, I wouldn't say that the goal is to, to confuse. I wouldn't say that. Well, I think it's to make you feel. Um, it may be to make you think. I think it's to make you feel like a variety of, of emotions. And like, you know, there's times where this record certainly makes you feel sort of tense. And there's times where you, you get into the groove and you feel a little relaxed. It's. It's not. It's just not the same. And so I don't know. I, I I have trouble. I have trouble like putting a good bad on something that's not like just a very simple formula. Yeah. I mean, I mean there, imagine looking at the sheet music for like you know. There is no sheet music for this. Well, but if but if so, somebody has transcribed all this, you know, some you Someone there's has a book too much out there. Time on their hands. There's a book out there, a music book for bitches brew, and then you just think of like looking back at. Like a, like that CCR, one of their songs, and it's like, it's two different animals, you know? It's yeah. two different animals. So I just don't know. It's hard to talk about in the way that you talk about, like, a pop or, like, a genre Yeah, single. I mean, he's trying to invent something yeah. new in music. Yeah. In jazz. So. And, and it seems like he did that. So I'm trying to, I'm just trying to talking about, like, what are we trying to do here, you know? I mean, I'll, I'll say, yeah. like, it, it had, like... But if you uh, if you were to put on uh, David Bowie's "I'm Afraid of Americans," mm-hmm. and you were to listen to uh, the Pharaoh's Dance, you can absolutely see. Oh shit, Bowie really liked this song. Mm-hmm. Like it, the same same feel. Like um, and you can pick that up in a lot of this. And like, I think Tom York said for OK Computer, like this was like a really big like uh, interesting like mm-hmm. thing and you know there's all these like big crescendos and then the breakdown and then this new thing comes up from there and then it's back down and this new thing comes up from there and yeah i get it but you know i'm i'm not a i'm i'm not a you're jazz not, man you're not a fan <laughs> yeah i i like a lot of jazz and i think that this this man. sort of like bitches brew is is sort of like my it's one of my sort of like limits it's yeah. like it's like past this the the it's the perimeter. Yeah, it's kind of the that's, perimeter. Uh, that's how I feel too. I think that's a good way of describing it. This is like just before you get into free and everybody can jam whatever they want. Yeah, this is like the control, the slight control that brings me that I can uh, appreciate. That's, that's sort of how I see it too, is like, I'm not challenged. I'm not watching Bill Paxton play sax in Lost Highway. Uh, so I'm, I do like that. So I'm okay. Though. I'm doing okay. Cause that's, that pushes my limit. Like that's, or that's beyond my, my tolerance. But this has enough stuff on here that I think is like within my realm of understanding. Yeah. 
Have you guys read any of the bad reviews that this album got from traditional oh, yeah. jazz? Uh, I, I love looking at their reviews, reviews for this. <laughs> there's, because some, there's some really shirts. <laughs> there's yeah. like, it's like, it's a very, um, I love having the positive sort of like negative on the reviews of this yeah. album. Like mm-hmm. some people are like, yeah, it's great. Miles is back. You know, he reinvented in somewhere just like noise, hate it. That's that, <laughs> like some quotes by Bob Rush. Uh, I think it's Rush. R R U S C H. That I, I just really like this excerpt. He goes, he's such a cranky old dude. And I like him for it. Goes, this to me was not. This to me was not great black music in italics, but I cynically saw it as part of, as part and parcel to the commercial crap that was beginning to choke and bastardize the catalogs of such dependable companies as Blue Note and Prestige. I hear it better today, only because there's now so much more music that is worse. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's, yeah, that's right on. That's, yeah. It's literally like, now looking back, oh, this is so controlled this is fine, this is fine <laughs> and all that other stuff is that the same really? way i feel about george w bush right now fondly looking back like that, oh, oh that kind intelligent man oh, no. <laughs> this this lukewarm diet coke is so much better And I think it's I, I I know that there's something to this because there are stuffed shirt like traditionalists screaming Bloody Mary about how bad it is and how like on the other side there's like oh my god what a what a uh, a leap forward is for jazz you know like I know that there's something here and I, I got something agree, happened I agree with you Ben I that if you if I were to stick with it for long enough I I might be able to find it I personally don't want to though. Because that's fair. I mean, I could pick one of these songs and listen to it, but like the entire fucking record, it's long. I think. Yeah, I guess. I guess the question is like, and we're kind of getting that point where we're gonna, you know, give our opinions. But yeah, go ahead. Like, it is a 93-minute album. 94, bud. It's uh, count every minute. We are here to discuss the album, and uh, we have on many occasions. Um, given a negative I mean gosh we did it we just did it with Derek and the Dominoes like well I mean, to be fair that is a terrible record by <laughs> <laughs> I think my my honest opinion on this is I'm gonna go with a neutral because I just don't love everything on here but I do appreciate the stuff that I appreciate and um like Am I gonna put this whole record on? Like, I, I think I have a copy of it on vinyl. I don't listen to it very often. Um, I, I do it every once in a while. I put it on, but it's always like it's on in the background when like something else is going on. Like, 
And, and, and just just a question, like, when you were saying earlier, like, for certain occasions that you would, you would put on this record, what are those occasions? <laughs> well, actually, if there's, like, you know, it's the sort of thing where when we would have, like, a bunch of people over at the house, uh, like, back in Bloomington or something, and there's just, like, lots of gabbing and people hanging out and talking, I think jazz is really good for that because it's weird. It's, like, it's kind of, like, disjointed and funny. It almost and, sounds like a conversation. Yeah, exactly. And I think it, it sort of fits in well with people talking and like groups of people talking. And so that's often when I listen to uh, like, you know, 60s and 70s jazz. And as you know, people at jazz clubs, when you go there, love it when you talk to your <laughs> friends while, while they're playing. Yeah. No, I'm adding to the ambiance. No, I love this background music. <laughs> but I think it, <laughs> I think I'm just so used to it being background music because uh, my wife's dad is like a huge jazz fan, and like I, I wonder how many times I've been at his house when this record is on, when we're just like cooking dinner or whatever. And so I'm very used to it. But right. uh, um, so I don't know. I I I I like this record. I do like it, but it's like I think it belongs in this book to go back to that category. But for me, it's more of like a neutral that I just I, I like parts. I think I'm right there with you. It's it's a very important album, and I really appreciate it. And I like listening to it sometimes, uh, but having so much, so dense, it feels kind of feels a bit overwhelming. And I think it's supposed to be. Yeah. I mean, I think it's supposed to be like, here is this magnificent, you know, craziness. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't even know. This sort of like statement. It's very much an artist statement of, of kind of in your face, showing you something that you've never heard before. It's like the audible version of those uh, painters that will like basically just throw themselves at the canvas and just like rip it up and like uh, like just splatter paint everywhere. And it's just like a physical, visceral kind of thing. This record has that kind of like vibe at times where it's just like. Okay, this is it's kind of like would you pay call attention. this record like, abstract expressionist? So I, yeah, Good. I mean, I guess that's ultimately what I'm saying here. I right? would, <laughs> I mean, I would say it's more avant, like avant garde, like modern avant garde or something like yeah. that. I'm not very in, into like the specific categorization, but yeah. like, but I think that we're, you're on the right track there. Yeah, but if I was going to be honest, like deep down, what I really, truly felt about, you know. Do I put this on that often? Yeah, I don't. Do I mean, all 94 minutes speak to your soul? Yeah, I've, listen, I've listened to it, you know, I don't, I, I listened to it in high school and I thought, this is weird. It's real <laughs> weird, but it's interesting. Yeah. And um, I've listened to it, you know, numerous times after and every time it's kind of like, still cool. I still prefer those sort of like succinct, weird Coltrane or sure. Ornette Coleman or something that is still out there like really out there but it, it's not this spliced together sort of like put together sort of a chaotic thing so yeah and i might have had a, a different reaction too if it's a, is a bit more is this spanish it, key that we're listening to it right is now? i yeah. like yeah. this song i do like the song's cool and that, the bass part that's the it, thing too it's funny that's smoky robinson's yeah. comment like yeah. i just noticed that 
Like it is, it does sound like a Smokey Robinson bass part. Yeah. Uh, also, if you go and you oh, yeah. and you look at the the samples used for from this album oh, wow. on uh, hip hop and yeah. yeah other things, it's huge. What do you think, Rob? Um, it's art. <laughs> I don't like this art, but it belongs <laughs> in, in a museum. museum. <laughs> <laughs> so neutral. Um, oh, okay. I mean, it 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 belongs in here. It's just not for me. Okay. I, I I'm also gonna go neutral on this uh pending, you know, repeated listens. Like ask me again in a year if I've listened to it more times, I might I might go to good. Right now it's like I see what they're doing and I like what they're doing. I'm just not there for that ninety four minute journey with them. I think like, that's the consensus. Yeah. You know? I mean it's just like it's a long time. It's a to tough explore. pill to swallow. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, it's just, it's so long. Yeah. I think if this record was like 40 minutes long, oh, and maybe it just wouldn't have gotten, maybe it wouldn't have done all it It wouldn't have the do. prestige that it currently well, has, the sort of like mantle that but it's But I do wonder, like, I do wonder if um, it would have like opened more people's minds to the genre. Because it's like, there's some really cool parts and sections, but maybe it's like the opus like you know quality of it that, yeah that attracted people yeah i guess it's kind of like you know like taking it back to the metaphor of abstract expressionism like a like a jackson pollock painting i was thinking the you know where he, he's splattering everywhere he's putting his soul and body into it if i see a jackson pollock painting at a museum it's really captivating and i will stare at it for a long time but I don't think I'd just go to like a Jackson Pollock museum to spend my entire day looking at painting after painting of Jackson Pollock paintings. Mm-hmm. It's just like that, that's too much of that for me. That's, and this album like is that. too much of this okay. for me. Interesting. Uh, I was going to mention that the album art is fucking rad. True. Yes. It is. Agreed. It really Agreed. is. One of the best uh, album covers I've seen in a long time. And I don't know if you guys saw I like, hadn't seen like, that gatefold. The, no. the, the gatefold with the the two sides and there's you know like these hands interlinked it's awesome super tight it's so good um yeah just had to mention that because i man just love it uh also after this miles sort of like reclaimed his crown but people thought it was he kind of stopped being about his performance and more about being in with the band so he Mm -hmm. would turn his back to the audience which a lot of people in the audience did not like but he would focus more on the band he would give them hints he would give them nods like james brown would with his band to say you're playing now uh in sort of well, like especially from like an an improvisational yeah you have to do that what you what you you people well are you not entertained <laughs> <laughs> I've seen my fair share of 1990s hardcore shows. I understand what right. he's doing. This, this yeah. also <laughs> took him from those small clubs into the Fillmore East and these big, uh, you know, these bigger shows that maybe the Grateful Dead were playing and, and got him in with a sort of a different crowd where it, it showed. Well, again, if you're going to play yeah. this type of music where everyone's interactions musically are intimate... You in a in a venue that big on a stage that big, you kind of would have to just turn towards the band, yeah. you know. Like you, you can't just be strutting around out in front playing this type of music with this kind of backing band. Like the band needs to be connected. 
Yeah. I just had the best thought of Miles Davis strutting around with a saxophone. <laughs> like, Why would he, he does a saxophone? He doesn't, he doesn't uh, <laughs> his trumpet. He doesn't play it often enough in any of these songs to justify him being like, I'm walking around on the stage with my trumpet. And, yeah, it, don't know. That, I did like the parts of this album where you could hear him giving the band uh, cues. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I think it's like during Bitches Brew when he whispers, keep it tight. Yeah. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. <laughs> All right, next time we'll be talking about Spirit, 12 Dreams of Dr. S- Sardonicus. Sardonicus. 